Amen. I feel a little bit like Reverend Carolyn Mobley singing with the choir and then coming down here. <laughs> but I could never feel her shoes. Beautiful woman, beautiful spirit. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak um, today, Reverend Dwayne. Um, let's start with a prayer. Uh, please pray with me. Heavenly Creator, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this congregation. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will bless the words that come out of my mouth, and that you will continue to remind me that it's not about me, but it is about you. It is about the life of Christ. God, allow your spirit and your words to pour through this church today. In Christ's name, amen. amen. A long time ago, when I was about nine, maybe ten years old, my family moved to a new neighborhood. It was uh, Windsor Village, for those of you who are native Houstonians or live on the southwest side. And one block away from my house was a store. So naturally, I would sneak off on my bicycle and go around the corner and fill up on candy and potato chips and anything else that the money that I had at that time would buy. But that particular Christmas, again, about nine or ten years old, that particular Christmas, I decided that I wanted to buy my mom something really special. And I wanted to buy it myself. Usually what I would do is my aunt would pick me up and she would take me Christmas shopping so that I could buy something for mom. But this time, I wanted to do it myself. And so I snuck off with the little money I had saved up and I bought my mom the perfect gift. I wrapped it up and I placed it under the Christmas tree. And then on the night of that Christmas Eve, my mom went out to celebrate with her friends and I waited home patiently until she returned. And when she arrived, I ran to greet her at the door and I handed her her Christmas present and I screamed, open it, open it. I picked it out just for you. And she was about as excited as I was. And so she walked on into the door and stood in the kitchen and she began to unwrap her Christmas gift. Then with the wrapping paper all torn off, she held the gift in her hand. It was a box of Betty Crocker yellow cake mix. Yes, I picked it out all by myself. <laughs> I wonder what she may have thought when she held up that box of cake mix. Perhaps at that time she was thinking, what am I going to do with this? I guess you want me to bake it right now. <laughs> or maybe she was thinking, well, I hope we have some eggs and all because all the stores are closed now and they're going to be closed tomorrow too. Or maybe she said to herself, I think we have all we need right here in the refrigerator and we're going to make this delicious cake tonight. And you know what? That's exactly what she did. She took out a bowl of eggs and water and oil and baked that cake right then and there. And we celebrated the first few hours of Christmas together, just the two of us. You know, God has sent us a gift of life. 
so that we may live together in peace. So the question this morning is, how are we living? Are we living at peace with ourselves? And are we living at peace in our community? Think about it. Are we bringing the kind of joy and happiness in our lives today? You know, it's true that sometimes life comes with many hardships. And sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend and wrap our arms around it. So to what extent when we are challenged do we allow these circumstances to hold us back and prevent us from receiving God's greatest gift of all, Christ's love for us? We know that Christ as a baby was not only a gift to his parents, Mary and Joseph, but he was a gift to the entire world. So God sent an angel to Mary and Joseph and told them that they would be blessed with this child and that he would be called great among men and he would be called the son of the most high. And when Jesus was born, no doubt his parents were excited and happy and were full of questions such as, will we be able to give him everything that he needs? Or perhaps they thought, how will we protect him from the realities of our world? God had promised Simeon, as Reverend Kristen read, Simeon the righteous man, that he would lay eyes on the Christ before he died. And so when Simeon had that opportunity, he gave thanks. And in his heart, he knew that Christ would suffer at the hand of men. Now when Christ was born, and this is the part that we, I really want us to get, and I know you get this, but when Christ was born, he was born with everything that he needed. Everything that he needed, he was born with it. But he had to walk the life of a man, and he could not be shielded from the challenges of the world during his time. See, Christ suffered rejection, humiliation, and persecution. He was lied on, tempted by evil, and then accused of breaking the Jewish law. But it was necessary for Christ to go through some things during his lifetime in order for him to fulfill his purpose. And he came to us already equipped and already ready to endure the hardships of life. And we know that God's promise was fulfilled with Christ's death. And that's what began the movement of the Christian church. The birth of Christ represents the revelation of God's intent to dwell among us. And we are no longer separated from God, but rather by accepting Christ in our lives, God's Spirit lives in us. Christ 
is our gift of life. When we think about the fact that Christ is our gift of life, how can we apply the significance of Christ's innocence at his birth and his vulnerability? How can we apply that to our own lives? What can we learn from God's purpose for our life? See, first, we, we want to acknowledge that at the core of our being is the gift of our presence to the world. Then, we must choose whether we are going to wrap ourselves up in our hurts and disappointments and allow the process of life to shield the gifts that are within us, or if we're going to live out our purpose as God intends, allowing the light of Christ to shine through us. I want to tell you a little bit about my journey. As a young child, I am a survivor of sexual abuse. And as I grew up, I found comfort and I found healing in Christ. I learned to listen to God's voice and I've always believed that I had a responsibility to be an ambassador for Christ. But I'm not perfect. And I haven't always been as kind to myself as Christ has been to me. My journey to deal with the issues of my life have been long and sometimes it was a dark journey. Now some time ago within the last five years, I wrestled with the idea of what God wanted me to do with my life. And though I had accomplished much in life, there was one issue that continued to come up for me and I refused to listen. See, I, I kept hearing inside of me, and I believed that God wanted me to speak out publicly against social injustice, domestic violence, and sexual abuse. And that wasn't something that I was really willing to do. Not publicly, no. We could talk about it at the kitchen table, <laughs> but that was about it. But I knew that that was not going to leave me. And I knew that if I had chosen to listen to that call, that I would have to face my own internal struggles. Not something I was willing to do. But my spirit was restless, and God wouldn't quit. <laughs> And I finally gave in, and I accepted the fact that it was not about me, but it was about us LGBT folk, Christians and non-Christians, being able to live in a world of hope, a world of peace, a world of love, and of equal justice. Now, my mom couldn't protect me from the process of life, but that didn't mean that I was to shield myself from any future hurts. Instead, I had to put my trust in God. 
And I had to allow God to walk me through the process of unwrapping the layers of hurt, deceit, rejection, guilt, and shame so that I could do God's will and serve a cause greater than me. I shared this with the congregation before about how I'd never told my mom about the sexual abuse that I had experienced. This was a couple of years ago. And I spent many nights in prayer asking for God's courage to talk to her. And I'm so glad that I did. Because I know that I would not have known the type of uh, life that I was missing had I not just let that secret out. And today I can honestly say that I feel a sense of joy and peace and I've just let the past go. I can now be an authentic person. I can now be my true self, no matter who I'm with, no matter where I'm going. I know that at the core, at the core of me, my core ingredients of who God made me to be, I now know that person, and now I can share that person with you. And I hope that by sharing my story, someone here will begin to look at your own life as a gift from God and begin to unwrap your potential for greatness, standing bold and courageous, facing all of your fears, headstrong, and knowing that you will not be overcome with defeat. Jesus Christ has already, has already claimed that victory. Four things that I've learned from my experiences that I want to share. The first is you have to be patient in your discomforts. Okay? The second, you've got to ask for what you want. Number three, listen to God's instruction through prayer and meditation. Four, recognize that you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle, but that you do have within you the core ingredients that you need. Now this fourth point is illustrated in a text that the Gospel Ensemble has completed during our spiritual devotions on Tuesday nights. Before our rehearsal, we have our time together and we connect and we strengthen our relationships together and we invite the Spirit with us. Relationships provide many images of the spiritual practices of unity and connections, which can be recognized both in the movement toward wholeness and in the many subtle ways we influence each other. Some seem to be born with, near, with a nearly complete puzzle, and so it goes. Souls going this way and that, trying to assemble the myriad pieces. But know this, no one has within themselves all the pieces of their puzzle. Like before the days when they used to seal jigsaw puzzles in cellophane, ensuring that all the pieces were together. Everyone carries within them at least one 
and probably many pieces to someone else's puzzle. Sometimes they know it, sometimes they don't. And when you present your piece, which is worthless to you, to another, whether you know it or not, whether they know it or not, you are a messenger from the Most High. We are here to build community together. Now on yesterday, as several people mentioned, that we enjoyed the African-American culture celebration of Kwanzaa over in the gathering place. And I have to say that it was an awesome experience. I'm so glad that we, uh, we, we had a lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun. Uh, today's principle, as Cassandra mentioned, is uh, Kwanzaa, I'm sorry, principle of Kwanzaa is Ujima. Now, I'm not going to go through all of the principles because we actually had those printed in the bulletin uh, last week, and uh, you can do some research on those if you're interested in it. But Ujima is actually celebrated on the third day, and it stands for Collective Work and Responsibility. It means to build and maintain our community together and make our brothers' and our sisters' problems our problems and to solve those problems together. Collective work and responsibility reminds us of our obligation to the past, the present, and the future, and that we have a role to play in the community and society and our world. I think that we as a congregation can learn from this principle of Kwanzaa uh, in how we show up in, our, in, in each other's lives. Okay. You show up by owning your own problems and making yourself available to help others, even in the midst of dealing with your own issues. We must make our brothers' and sisters' problems our problems and care for one another in this church. Collectively, we make much progress in this year, 2008, and I want to acknowledge that a lot of work has been done to pave the way for healing and hope and to get us ready for more progress in our community in 2009. So as we prepare ourselves for the journey in a new year, let's reflect on the moment for a moment on the reading that we shared from Ephesians. It was Paul who was locked up in prison in Rome and he wrote the letter to the people in Ephesus, which today is a city located in Turkey. Now, I chose this scripture because it, I believe that it serves as a context for the challenges that we might face in 2009, especially now that Christmas shopping is over. <laughs> yeah, some of you may be feeling a little bit of anxiety <laughs> about the future and the journey ahead of us. But while Paul was sitting in the prison, he wasn't concerned about his future. He wanted to reassure the Ephesians that they were already equipped to deal with whatever difficulties that life had to offer for them and not to worry, but to find in them uh, unity and to accept their gifts humbly and to graciously grow and proceed as a new church. This was a, a new church establishment that he was writing to. Now, Paul understood that he was called to inspire hope in his community, and he understood that both the Jews and the Gentiles didn't agree. So Paul's message was a message of equality and service to one another. 
And like the people of that time, we must use our gifts to bring hope and healing and equality in our community and in our families. At the beginning of this year, 2009, January 1, I'll start my tenure on the Board of Directors for Equality Texas, helping to fight the cause of equality for all Texans. So today I'm, I'm asking for your strength, I'm asking for your support, as I offer my service uh, to a greater cause. But to do the work that God has called uh, us to do will require us to open up a dialogue for individuals who don't share in the same things that we believe. And I'm ready to face that challenge. So as the new year approaches for you, think about how you will use your gifts in 2009. How will you live up to your potential that God has placed in you? No doubt, and I know this because we have such a, 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 a healthy congregation in terms of uh, people who are involved in so many ministries. And so no doubt that many of you are involved in some aspect of ministry for this church. And some of you have perhaps taken your ministry beyond these church walls. So I ask you to ask yourself, what will be different in 2009? What is it that you will start doing that you haven't already been doing? Or what is it that you will do differently in your service, a service that's greater than you? We are a gift to the Houston community, and each one of us has a different purpose. But as one, we offer ourselves and the community a gift wrapped in Christ's love, and protection. So let us welcome the new year with a renewed faith, renewed commitment in ourselves and in our community. Amen.